0: Less stress, more time, more money. Welcome to the Cash Flow Contractor interview.
1: What's up? How are we doing? Doing well. We have a, our first guest on the podcast.
2: And you mean uh, I'm
1: not a guest? You know, no, no, you're co-host, oh. man. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, well, I thought I should be treated like royalty. Yeah, we got, we got four people here today, so obviously me, Khalil, and uh, Martin. And then we've got Ethan, as usual, taking notes, ready for his... Uh, we're changing the segment every time, but I think it's Intern Insights with Ethan Dvorak. And then special guest today, Eric Daffern. Welcome, Eric.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. Glad to be how's, here. Uh, how's Tulsa? You know, with this uh, pandemic going on, everyone is... is uh quiet and uh uh, everyone's staying healthy and and safe
1: that's great including you
0: including me (laughs) including me yeah you're uh you're right you live right by the river there in tulsa yes yeah yeah well actually i'm about two miles from the river my office is actually i can see the see the arkansas river from my office nice they've
1: really done a good job up there yeah you know developing that area along the river
0: you know, it's amazing. A year ago, that whole area was flooded. Yeah. And, uh, and now we're in a little bit of a drought. So it's been an interesting contrast.
2: You know, yeah. we're also fortunate we don't need to put a comma Oklahoma after Tulsa. It seems like everybody <laughs> knows where Tulsa is. So, But it is Tulsa, Oklahoma.
0: It, it is. Oklahoma. It's,
2: it's
1: home. It's special. I like it. Well, Eric, i um, excited to have you here today. And I know you've got a good story for us. But before that, I want to get a little bit of a background on who you are, where you're from, you know, uh, and how you got into what it is that you do and what it is that you do. So, yeah. um, yeah. Why don't you tell us, you know, how you
0: got started as a construction lawyer? Well, I appreciate you guys letting me be on this uh, podcast, you know, uh, being a contracting lawyer or contractor lawyer or real estate lawyer uh, has always been a passion of mine. And, and I grew up in a small town in Southern Oklahoma and, uh, had never been to Tulsa until I met my wife in college and, and uh, went to school at the University of Oklahoma. But probably the first idea of becoming a, a construction real estate lawyer happened when I was about 16 or 17 years old. And my father left uh, the family, and, uh, and as a result, uh, we didn't have any uh, uh, income to keep the house. Wow. And as a result, uh, uh, we lost our house in foreclosure. And that made such an impression on me that I became obsessed with real estate and construction. And I said, I'll never let that wow. happen again. And so for the last 40 years, I've been chasing that obsession and trying to help people solve construction and real estate issues. Wow. First, so, I didn't know that
2: about you. That's, that's powerful. Yeah,
0: yeah. That's really powerful. So 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 interesting, you know, most people who go to law school, uh, go for a variety of reasons, whether it's criminal law or whether it's uh, uh, personal injury. I went in specifically to learn as much as I could about real estate and construction. Wow. And that, that was my focus. And, and uh, when I graduated from law school in 1989, I uh, went to a little law firm in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and married my college sweetheart. And we had two wonderful boys, and now I've got a three-year-old granddaughter, And life is perfect, and so this has been a great time. So, uh, when I when I started the the uh, uh, with the small firm here in Tulsa, it was more of a general practice firm, and I always had that itch to get out and really focus on what I want to do. And in two thousand, I had that opportunity and went out and started my own practice, and I've never looked back. It's been a great journey. That's great. So
1: back to when you were in law school, I mean, were you the only one that was like, Hey, I'm doing real estate and construction Were there, do you, you know, like you have classmates that were also, you know, really hot, really interested in that as well. Or are you unique in that?
0: Well, no, I think, I I think a lot of lawyers have interest in real estate. You know, you've got title lawyers, you've got, uh, right. You got lawyers who want to develop who, you know, and and actually there's a lot of people who just didn't want to go get their MBA. So they went to law school Interesting. and they felt, they felt like that they could see life from a different perspective and it would give them different uh, skill sets. But most of them, you know, there's a lot of people who just went into business and I've got a lot I'm of friends to- who went into to development and construction. And in fact, I've got a good friend who's a client who uh, uh, went to law school and and worked for a big firm in a big city for a while and came home and became and started building homes and, and he's doing great. So, yeah. no, I, th- I, I think there's a huge interest in, in real estate. I mean, believe it or not, it's really an exciting area. There's yeah. a lot of things to do. There's a, uh, uh, everything changes every day. And so you get a lot of different uh, opportunities to help people, and, and it's just a great life.
1: Excellent. So, so tell us um, what's like, you know, you obviously are, you, you've already said you're focused on construction, real estate. What are some of the typical things you're working on for clients?
0: Well, primarily what what we do and, and, and what we focus on, and, and I guess a better way to say it would be what our philosophy is, is we want to try to educate contractors, um, owners, real estate owners, real estate investors. We want to educate them in ways that they can improve their business, improve their real estate. And, and I tell everybody, you know, there's a lot of risks in being a, Contractor or builder or even a property owner, but if you if you took all of the risks out there, you could probably put them under two umbrellas, and one would be the risk of getting sued, and the other one would be the risk of getting of not getting paid. And so the focus of our practice has really been on trying to help uh, people in the real estate industry to to avoid getting sued and, and to uh, collect as much money as they can. And uh, and there's a lot of different ways to do it. We, we like to do it through education. And uh, unfortunately, sometimes things don't work out and people end up in court. And so we also represent people in, uh, in litigation as well. But I think, I think the primary focus of our practice is try to help people before they get into trouble. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. So, I think what a good segue is
1: because I, I want to get into your story. Um, but describe like your typical client for us. Like who are they? What's their average day like? What are they? What kind of work are they doing?
0: Size those kinds of things. Well, that's a tough one. Try, trying to trying, <laughs> to trying to to say what would be the 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 typical client, and, and that's the beauty of this of this business is is that there's so many people involved in real estate that it's 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 really a a great mix um, right of, of clients, but I, I guess I would have to say that that the typical client would be a construction owner, uh, someone who has uh, been in the business for 20 or thirty years. Yeah or it may be it may, it may be that that young man or woman who just got out of uh, tech school who's wanting to start a new business, whether it's an electrical contractor or a plumber right um uh, it, it can also be a, a husband and wife who's looking to buy a home and sure. um, you know it, it was interesting i had a i had someone ask me once uh, whether i represent builders or owners or or who i represent and i thought about it for a minute for a minute and i said well i try to represent whoever's right and <laughs> so 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 i so i represent everybody you know we look at their situation and we're trying to find resolution we're trying to find solutions for them, and so it, it's uh, it's a real good mix.
2: Okay, good. You job. know, Eric, and just jumping in real quickly, uh, we we're kind of talking about real estate and construction law, and the two are intertwined. Is most construction law partly related to real estate?
0: Well, are they different disciplines? Well, that ultimately it's it's it, it involves dirt. I mean, okay. I you know, I, I go from that perspective that that real estate and construction basically involve dirt. And, okay. and a good friend of mine refers to himself as a dirt lawyer, and <laughs> and, and so ultimately, so do a lot of other people. If it's not, you know, <laughs> I'm just, kidding I'm just kidding. So 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 it's it's uh, uh it's very similar in that ultimately you're you're trying to deal with if it's in the construction area, you're building on dirt, everything okay. from the ground up uh, if it's, if it's in the dirt, you're dealing with titles, you're dealing with, with, uh, easements, you're dealing with all kinds of different things. So, so really, really, uh, it's, it's intertwined and it's, it's, it's such yeah. a complementary uh, area of the law. Okay. Gotcha. You know,
2: just before we go real quick and do your story too, you said something earlier that, uh, really resonated with me. Um, you, like, you try to prevent the issues, and it's true mm-hmm. in contracting and manufacturing, any other operational. The earlier you find a problem, the cheaper the resolution is.
0: Yeah, yeah uh, absolutely.
2: Like before you build the building and don't get paid, or do you find out you're not going to get paid before you sign a contract?
0: Anyway, exactly I thought right. that's a
2: major league major league point.
0: You know where, where I got that idea? And Cleo, and you're probably a little young for this, but Martin probably remembers this because he's closer <laughs> to my age. But back in the 70s, there was a commercial. By Fram Auto Filter, I don't know if you remember that. Oh, I remember but, that. Yes. Yeah, but, but the weather, Yeah, but one of their commercials was there was a there was a mechanic sitting there holding a uh, an oil filter, and behind him was a was an old car with a with a, with a hood up, and and you could tell he was he was replacing the engine, and their tagline was, "You can either pay me now or you can pay me later," and and the idea was you can pay me five dollars for this filter to keep your car running good. Or you can pay me on the backside when I have to uh, replace your engine, and right. so ever since then I thought, you know what? It's really easier to keep a company healthy before they get into trouble, because once yeah. they once they get into trouble, and you have to spend a lot of money with lawyers and and go to litigation, it becomes an extremely extremely expensive proposition. It's one of the most stressful things you'll ever have to deal with. So that's the reason I've, I've really focused on trying to help clients solve problems before they ever get there. Well,
1: and I'm excited to talk today because I think for a lot of people, myself included, honestly, but for a lot of contractors, it's, it's a bald spot. You know, you can't see it. You don't know that it's a problem. You don't know that you could just pay the $5 now and not have to replace the engine or, you know, work with someone like you right now mm-hmm. and, you know, pay some money, but avoid you know, losing out on hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, if, if you get into a, into a tricky situation. So, mm-hmm. um, and that, I think that's kind of like your story. You said, um, you know, there's, there was a, a client of yours that almost got into one of those situations, right?
0: Well, yeah, yeah we, we deal with this all the time. In fact, and, in, and, in, in, and I'll tell you a quick story real quick. You know, my wife is a builder also, and she's a right. general contractor. And, and so, uh, uh we have a construction company that, that that gives me the opportunity to see it from boots on the ground, and to see right. really what some of the risks are. And uh, you know, it, it's interesting. We had a client recently that we uh, worked with, and and you know, you usually deal with lawyers when when things and just like you said, when when things seem to go wrong, you try to go in and get a lawyer to help you solve that problem. We had a client recently, in in a, in a when it was. Everything was perfect, and and there was no reason to think that anything would go wrong. And uh, uh, this client had a, a job to, to do some construction on a commercial building, and uh, it was a perfect job. It was a dream job. My client brought the job in on time, on budget, with a happy customer. Everything went perfect. And then we get down to the final payment, and that's when this pandemic hit. And as a result of that, everybody shut down and my client didn't get paid. Now that's a perfect example of when everything goes right, it can also go suddenly wrong. And if you don't have everything in place and you don't you don't have your systems in place, then it can really, really upset the cart. So that's the reason you try to focus on helping people get their systems in place before we ever do anything. Well,
2: how did that so, how did that wind up? Well, that's what it's we're going to talk paid. about at the end, Martin. Oh, okay. <laughs> we got to leave you hanging Oh, you got
1: me, man. You hooked me. <laughs> yeah. <All the> <laughs> you got to wait till the end. You're ruining okay. it. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So that, I think that's a, I mean, so we want to talk with you about some of those failures, you know, that some of these risks that these contractors aren't aware of and the failures that they have in place right now that they need to actually fix. And maybe if they can take some advice from from you, uh, get these things sorted out now before it becomes a bad situation. Um, so I know we talked about this before, but you, you had mentioned that one of the biggest failures you see in contractors is that they have zero systems or little to no systems. Um, so why do why are systems so important to contractors?
0: Well, <clears throat> the, the reason that systems are so important to contractors is I mean I think about it why does a craftsman go into business because he loves his craft and and most of the the, the tradesmen out there most of the builders are great craftsmen and they're right. they're good at what they do but sometimes they don't have the systems in place to to run their business and so a lot of times I ask my client do you want to be say for example I've got a, a plumbing client? I, I asked him i said do you want to be a plumber or do you want to be in the business of plumbing and that and, and that's a it's a real shift in perception mm-hmm. about how you want to run your business do you want to just be a plumber or or you just make a a, a you know a, a reasonable living or do you want to be in the business of plumbing and really take it to the next level and so what we focus on is helping them build that business and those systems within those buildings i mean within that that business. And, and so we, we find that a lot of contractors want to focus just on the craft. And so if we can help them come in and work on their systems now, now, now let me back up just a minute. When I'm talking about systems, I'm not just talking about having lawyers on your team. You know, we think that, right. that it should, it should be a, be a, a business with, with a, with a very organic um, set of systems. For example, I recommend to every client that that they have a, a team around them, uh, a team of uh, lawyers, a team of accountants, a team of business relationships, um, uh, a, a relationship with your insurance agent, because that's what they do. They're there to help protect you, and if you can get on board with them and, and get them part of your team, then they're going to help you create those systems that's going to protect you in the long run. Absolutely. I think those trusted advisors are huge. And Martin, you talk
1: a lot about that. Um, just, you know, you don't have to be the expert in a specific field. Like you don't need to go and get a law degree just because you're a general contractor or a subcontractor, right?
2: Well, you're, you're not going to do those things in <laughs> a lifetime becoming an attorney, another lifetime becoming a good attorney, but where you can also become a banker and become a CPA become an IT expert and become an HR expert. You're not going to do all those things. It does take a team. And Eric, uh, you know, that you're singing my song right there. Um, people, I think, well, why do people not do that? It doesn't take, it's, it's so logical. I've never had anybody push back and say that, um, oh no, I don't need a team. Why, why is it? Uh, well, I'll make it a little bit specific. In general, why do they not have a team of advisors? In specific, I've worked with easily over a hundred contractors of every sort and maybe two of them have a relationship with an attorney. Why is that in your estimate? Well,
0: well I, th- I think there's a, there's several reasons, but I think, I think the main reason is, is uh, the cost. I mean, there's no question that that lawyers are expensive. Right. And, and anytime a good get, one. Yeah. And, and, and believe me, I'm the first to tell you the two things I hate doing. Uh, well, I'll tell you the main thing I do is paying lawyers. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, when, when, when we get out of, for example, in our construction company, if we get out of an area that I'm not familiar with then sometimes I'll bring in an expert. And when I have to write that check to that lawyer, I see how much he charges per hour. And, and quite frankly, I don't like to pay it. So, so it's very understandable that, that a lot of people don't like paying lawyers. And so it, it's, it's kind of like paying taxes, I guess. You, you do it when you have to, but you don't like doing it. And so so that's I think that's the biggest thing. But the way I explain it to my clients is, look, you're a craftsman. and And say, for example, you're an electrician. You have thousands of dollars worth of tools in your shop. And those tools help you make money. If you will focus on a team around you and invest in your team, then you can have that team help you make money. As well, so so it, it's no different than having a, a screwdriver, a hammer, or whatever in your craft, and having a, a a lawyer, an accountant, a banker, or someone to help you on the business side of it. And it's just an investment in your business, right?
2: Yeah, yeah I think personally that there's another uh, block because I've had it myself when I had a contracting business. Was it kind of really never occurred to me, you know? it kind of never occurred to me that I needed an attorney. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm old enough now that I know better, but also after meeting you and what you'll be talking about today, I thought, yeah, I need an attorney and it can be done reasonably. And when you'll talk about your systems, you'll see that that they can become a little bit accomplished themselves. They don't need an attorney for everything. I mean,
1: yeah, exactly. That, that's exactly right. Well, I think at the other end of it, you know, most contractors are used to doing things themselves. I mean, that's basically how they got into business and become that craftsman is because they wanted to learn. But I think also it can be intimidating. I know that I'm, I mean, I'm pretty intimidated by lawyers. Um, I don't want to get sued, I don't want to get into a a nasty situation, not Mm -hmm. just because of the cost, but because it's hard to understand. You know, it's not, you can look at that, you know, all those terms in a contract and it can just be overwhelming. Um, and so I think that's another hard thing when you don't understand something, you, it's easier just to put it off and to not think about it. And that's really not the best, the best way to handle it.
0: Okay. I mean, you're exactly right. And, and the reality is that 99% of the time, everything's going to work out. And it's, right. that one, it's that one time where you get into a bind and you get pulled into a lawsuit and you spend a, you know, Hundreds of thousands of dollars, trying to get out of this lawsuit, that that can really uh, have a major impact on your business. And so, so I think that's another reason that most people don't use lawyers is simply because uh, they just don't need one most of the time. I'll be honest with you, but it's that gotcha. one time that that when the bottom falls out and you don't have any systems in place, that's that's you know that's when you go to a lawyer. And so, what we do is try to say, well, let's spend a little bit of money now and invest in your business, so when that one time happens that you have a safety net under you that'll make sure that you're, that you come out on the other side. Okay.
2: Right. You know, Eric, so uh, go ahead, ahead, Cleo. No, go ahead. Go
0: ahead. I
2: was going to say you, you, we've been kind of talking in general. Uh, you mentioned two major risks, uh, not getting paid and getting sued. I I got that right. Right. That's exactly right. Can you, I mean, how do you approach that with a new client? Maybe they don't have a problem, uh, but they're building a big contract, something new, they come to you and say, uh, I need to pay attention to the law, the legal side of my business, How, what would you talk to a new client about? I mean, if they didn't come in with a lawsuit, just they're, they're starting to worry about it, they've got some assets, they're starting to think about it. What do, you, what do you talk to them about?
0: Well, first of all, I talk to them about tools that they can use, and, and I think one of the greatest tools that any contractor can, can use is a good contract system. And and one of the best ways to make sure you get paid and stay out of court is to have that ironclad contract put together that both sides understand and both sty- both sides agree to, and that both sides understand that there's no ambiguities. So if the bottom does fall out, everybody knows what's going to happen. And so I, I think I think having that contract in place is is probably, in in my opinion, the most important thing that a contractor can have. Okay, you and said so,
2: contract system.
0: Right. What? And, 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 and what I mean by that, uh, Martin, is, is, you know, of course, it depends if you're a general contractor and whether you're a supplier, whether you're a subcontractor, because you have to understand everyone in in construction plays a role. and And a contractor plays one role because he has a contract directly with the owner. Subcontractor has a different role because he doesn't have a contract with the owner But his contract is with the general contractor. You may have sub-tier subcontractors. Then you have suppliers who have different contracts with different people. And so you've got multiple roles that you have to protect. So, for example, if you are a subcontractor and you're looking at a a contract from a general contractor, that general contractor may give you a 40-page contract to look at and sign. And, um, and, And believe me, that contractor has spent tens of thousand of dollars with a lawyer to prepare a, a an extremely comprehensive contract for that subcontractor and believe it or not there's a lot of subcontractors that don't even read those in fact I had oh, I, I, had I believe with, you yeah I had dinner with a with a uh, 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 CEO or a president of a, of a large contracting company we were just talking about contracts and one of the things he said he said you know when we have these contracts and we give them out to subcontractors and they just sign them he said i know they don't read them he said because i wouldn't even sign my own contract and so <laughs> so a lot, a, a lot of these general contractors will expect you to negotiate a little bit with them and 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 make sure because what you want to do is have a, a have a fair contract between the parties and that involves a negotiation between the two and yeah. so so it's important for everybody to read their your contract. So one thing we do with our subcontracting clients is that we prepare an addendum. And with that addendum, we go through and we... What's an addendum? It, 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 it's simply a document that you can attach to the main contract that outlines additional terms or terms that change the original contract. Gotcha. One so thing, rather than one, going in and changing the contract, you can just add to it and it one kind of... That's exactly right. Because one thing that I tell people is never redline a contract. Because people don't like their, their document to be messed up. I mean, it just to me, it just shuts everybody down. Gotcha. My, my preference would be to do an addendum where you set out all of the issues that you want to, to deal with. And, and what we do with our clients is we go through and help them identify in each contract those major areas where they want to discuss. And then we create an addendum for them. And, and uh, they can then take that back to the contractor, and that can be a source of negotiation in coming up with a, con- a contract that's, uh, that's fair and equitable.
1: So, the so same basically, thing- if I have an addendum, I'm a, I'm a subcontractor, and I get this 40-page contract from a GC, I can, rather than spend all this time reading through those 40 pages, figuring out what I like and don't like, <clears throat> I have this addendum from you that basically has like the 10 key points that I'm really concerned about. And
0: then we can just talk about those 10 points with the contractor. That's, a, that, that's exactly right. Gotcha. And, and, and what I tell my clients is, if we can get in front of the general contractor and we go, go over these in a reasonable manner, you know, there's a lot of times that a general contractor will say, oh, okay, yeah, that's fair. Let's go ahead and change that. So, so it, it really becomes a, a, a win-win for both the general contractor and the subcontractor. Now, for example, if we represent a contractor, I'm going to be the one that writes the 40, 40 page contract. Okay. So, and so, so, so my con my general contracting clients have a different interest in protecting different interest in their business. Now, again, whenever we come back and, and, and uh, negotiate, what we want to do is come up with something fair. And, and that's really the bottom line is to have fair terms that, that, that protect both sides. And likewise, whenever I represent an owner, you know, we've, we've got to do our best to help create standardized provisions that will protect the owner as well. And, and, and that's really, a, you know, getting down to, to what, what we do, we try to standardize everything. And that's simply in a system. Um, and by creating a system that we do something over and over and over consistently so that everybody uh, has a better chance to come out in a fair situation. Hey, Eric, you said the
2: guy, the CEO you were having dinner with was commenting that he wouldn't sign his own contract. What's the, if you have a feel for it, what's the general acceptance by GCs of a sub wanting to negotiate? Because I know a lot of people are scared of that. They think, well, I got this big job. I mean, I'm thinking of the smaller subs here. Mm -hmm. I got this big job and. Oh, man, it's really great. And those guys are huge. I'm not going to name any, but some, you know, Mm -hmm. skyscraper type construction Mm -hmm. general contractors. Mm -hmm. I don't You know, who am I to talk to them? What what are your, what's your experience? Are they willing to listen? Can you talk to them? Yeah. yeah,
0: Yeah. My experience is that most general contractors are extremely fair and equitable companies. Okay. And they want to do the right thing because, you know, you have to understand. A contractor becomes successful because of his relationship with his subcontractors. Right. Okay. So the subcontractor is what is necessary for that contractor to become profitable. Well, the flip side of that is is the same. The subcontractor needs the contractor to be to be successful. And and so that's the reason we go in and try to create a win-win situation for both of them. And 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 I and I want to clarify something when I mentioned that I this president that I had dinner with. He wasn't suggesting that 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 he was trying to take advantage of of any subcontractor. He was just simply saying that that they have created a document, which they are, which they have created to try to protect their interest, not to take right. advantage of anybody. So it wasn't that he wouldn't sign it because he's trying to take advantage of anybody. Oh no, I simply think I understand they give, that. It, it gives yeah, them maximum yeah. flexibility if
2: if they don't get you know pay if yeah. paid and all that stuff.
0: Yeah, but but back but back to your question of of you know, what's the likelihood of a GC negotiating a contract? And and I guess what I tell my clients is, well, there's there's no chance of them negotiating if you don't ask them. Right. And the worst that they can do by asking them is simply say no. But my experience is that, and especially in Tulsa, we've got a bunch of great, great general contractors, great people. and And everyone that I've dealt with, in, in this part of Oklahoma they've been extremely fair with subcontractors and and likewise we I, we've got a lot of great subcontractors that 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 simply want to be fair with the with the gcs and so we have great success in in working with gcs and subcontractors
2: you know on this idea that this being one of the main things and i think this boils down to uh, not getting paid right i mean that's right. kind of
0: the uh, well, well uh, in in the, in well, the media well, well, the, 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 the beauty of, of the contract is it's the tool that I recommend to use to manage both of those risks, the risk of not getting paid and the risk of getting sued. Oh, okay. You can, so so, you, so that, to me, that's the greatest tool that you have in dealing with both of those issues.
2: Well, would, would, uh, do you have processes and systems? And Anytime a guy gets a contract, is he going to send it to his attorney or to Eric Daffern? Or is there a way he can look at it and kind of evaluate it himself Without becoming a full-blown lawyer, well, and, 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 and theory, yeah,
0: right? and, yeah and, and first of all, I would say I would never recommend anyone practice law on their own. But uh, but one thing that I that I do encourage people to do subcontractors, suppliers, owners, subcontractors, is to become familiar with the main provisions and contracts okay. that usually give rise to conflict. So, for example, a the how you're going to get paid. Uh, To me, that is one of the the issues that we always deal with is that we want to get real clear on how someone's going to get paid. You know, is it going to be a pay if paid clause, which means that the owner doesn't, I mean, the general contractor doesn't pay the subcontractor until it's paid by the owner, or is it a net 30 term? And so what we do is we go through and, and help identify, you know, the 10 or 15 main issues that you see in most contracts and then what we do is try to standardize that issue or standardize uh, those, those issues into a document, usually an addendum, that they can use to help them identify it. In fact, what we do is that we, we've created a checklist that, that our clients can take, and they can actually set it down next to the contract. And as a reading, if they see, oh, yep, there's where payments is, uh, the, all the terms about payment, they can check that off the checklist and they can see how many of the issues that we've identified that they can identify in the contract. And so that's just a good tool for that. They can use, um, uh, you know, I I don't think
2: I've ever seen anything like that. (laughs) That, I mean, I think that's brilliant and they're not going to practice law and they're not going to go maybe even negotiate it, but they can at least know what to look at. Cause I know when I read contracts as a contractor uh, naively, I suppose, but I always thought, contractor meant a uh, contract meant something other than what it said because aforementioned and prior tos and all this kind of stuff I just thought can yeah. a layman understand that but checklist well, idea, me, brilliant
0: yeah and and the, the checklist like I said after you read enough contracts you you start seeing these <laughs> things pop out at you and so like I said we you know there's there's believe it or not contracts are simple and it's just people trying to come to agreements about things that could go wrong and once you come to an idea of what those are, then you can then create a checklist or an addendum to help address each of those issues.
1: So you you mentioned systems and we I know we just spoke a lot about the contract systems, the addendums, mm-hmm. you know, trying to get predictable results in your in your contracts. What are some of the other things um, that you know? If systems are so important. I know it's not just contracts. What are some other things you you see the need for systems with?
0: Well, I, you know, when it comes to systems, I think, and, and of course, this is where you know Martin can probably speak a lot to this because of his of his uh, coaching is that he helps companies create systems, and I think every business, whether it's a, a construction client, whether it's a gas station, whether it's a clothing store, whether it's a restaurant. Everyone needs to have system, systems in their business. And when I, and, and, and let me explain to you what I mean by systems. A system can be very simple. I mean, it, it doesn't have to be complicated. All that a system is is simply a, a way of doing something over and over and over and over to get a consistent result. So, for example, if you have a contract and you have a checklist, you know that you're going to have consistent results if you can identify right. all of those issues. Now I got this idea and, and this isn't anything new, but but if you ever look at at pilots, when they go mm-hmm. through their their pre-flight checklist, they have, I mean, a simple checklist that they go through every single time. Now I guarantee you that most of those pilots have, have thousands of hours in the in the sky. So why do they go back to a simple checklist? Well, because it creates that consistency. Uh, consistency of results. So, if they have that that checklist, they can make sure that they hit each item to make sure that it's taken care of, that everyone's safe, that they can go up and not forget something. If they if if a pilot forgets something, you know it can have catastrophic effects. So so they have a checklist every single time they take off, and to me that's a perfect example of what a system is, because it allows consistent results over and over and over yeah now, now in, in, in in construction or in any business, I think again I go back to my team members you know you need to have a good, good lawyer, you need to have a good banker. <clears throat> you need to have a good insurance agent, you need to have uh, uh, CPA you know, good, good <laughs> CPA uh, as part of your team to help you create those systems and and, and that way you get consistency over and over. And a, right. As a result, with that consistency, you get better results. So, I think you
1: know, for a lot of contractors, uh, especially subs, you know, they they know what they do. They have a system. It's just not written down, right? They're doing it in their head, right? Is that what you see, Eric? Well, to me, I call that a
0: handshake. And, and, <laughs> okay, and, 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 that's the, and that's the problem is that you know. Twenty years ago, thirty years ago, you could do work on a handshake. Well, as as life become, has become more complicated and more more uh, involved, I, I guess would be a word that you can't do that anymore, and you you have to have something written down to make sure that that you remember what you have to do consistently. Now, I'll give you a, an example. I had a client who who had a um, a team member uh, in the office who had worked there for about twenty years. And did a great job in creating um, systems. The problem was she didn't write anything down, and as a result, she had everything in her in her head. Well, after 20 years, she retired, and 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 when she retired and walked out that door, every system went with her because there was nothing written down. And and so so it's important to have it down. And in, in, in fact, what I recommend to my clients have a three-ring binder. I mean, this doesn't have to be exotic. It doesn't have to be be right. complicated. Just have a three ring binder and just write every process down. Now, the beauty of that is, if you if you write it down, uh, and you make your team members follow that, that's there's where you're going to get the consistency. Because a good written system is not dependent on interpretation and it's not dependent on personalities. So the beauty is that if that team member leaves. You can put a new team member in that place. And as so long as they follow that written system, they're going to get consistent results. And to me, that's the beauty of the system.
1: Yep. That's great. I think another thing, you know, I don't a lot of contractors, a lot of them are still working in the business a lot, you know, and they're not working on it. And I think sitting down to write something is not going to be their strong suit. But now we've all got these cameras in our pocket. Mm-hmm. and we can do a video of what we're doing mm-hmm. right so if it's if it's how you caulk something or if it's how you you know sand something down or paint something whatever it is you can just take a video of it and then you can put that in a google drive you can share it on a shared folder whatever it is and then have someone in the office write it down have someone else do it for you cuz you know i know that for some people that's daunting i'm not going to sit down and get a three ring binder and do all this stuff but you can just, you can take the video and do the training that way and then have someone write it out.
0: Um, And and you're exactly right. I've got a client who is a um, a, a brick mason and what he does, you know, and and, and when you put brick up on a wall, you have these brick ties that are attached to the wall that you put in between the bricks to make sure that the bricks stay up against the wall and don't fall over. And the problem is, is if, if, if they fail to put those brick ties up, then that, then that, uh, a brick wall can fall over. So my client, what he does is whenever they they put these brick ties up on the wall, before they put the brick up, he'll take his phone out and he'll shoot a couple pictures, drop, drop it down into a file, and then forget about it. So if a client or a customer ever comes in and says, well, wait a minute, we're having cracks here, and it may be because you didn't put brick ties up. He could say, nope, my system is that I take pictures of everything, and here's the picture of your wall, and here's all the brick ties, and that's a beautiful system because it's simple and okay. you can use technology and, it, and you're right, it doesn't have to be written. But when I say it has to be written written down, I mean, it has to be documented some way. Right, absolutely.
1: Well, I think there's value in the written aspect too. Eventually, you, I think it does need to be in some sort of manual format that's really easy to follow through. And we talked about this before, Martin, but it adds value to your business too, right? Um, when you go to sell your business, if you have systems – you're a lot more valuable than if you don't, right?
2: Well, I describe it as a system dependent business rather than a people dependent business, which is what you said, Eric. But if you ever want to sell your business, uh the presumption is you're leaving. And if it's all in your head, your business is worth and I could give you stories on that, I won't do it today, but cost people millions of dollars for lack of systems. Yeah. So well, Absolutely. Eric, you know, uh that master contract, the checklist, I mean, is is exactly a perfect example. Of a system, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that is a system. Follow this. Might be nuanced to it to get better and so on. But is there another one that that in, in construction law that makes it kind of a easily described system?
0: You know, what, uh, another system that that's extremely valuable uh, for contractors is a mechanic lean system, and and the reason that becomes what's a what's a mechanic lean. Okay. So, so a mechanic lien is what I call a superpower for contractors, suppliers, and subcontractors. And what I mean by that is that a, a contractor or a subcontractor or a supplier who goes in and improves real property. When I say real property, just, I mean, property it goes in and improves property and is not paid for the work or the materials that they've used to improve that property. Then they can follow a mechanic lien against the property. And then they can go into court. They can prove to a judge that they're entitled to the money. And then the judge can order that the property be sold to pay the, the amount owed to the contractor. Now, to me, there's very few industries out there that have that power to force somebody to sell their property to pay the bill that's owed to them. And that's the reason I call it a superpower. So that, that's really what a mechanic lien is. So what we do is that we create lien systems around that right the, that a contractor or subcontractor or a supplier has. And we systemize it, we write it down, and we help them understand uh, uh, what the process is to go through there. In, in, in Oklahoma, it's, it's extremely simple compared to some other states, but yet it's complicated in that it's, it's, it has a lot of rules that you have to follow. And so what we try to do, again, is to create a system that creates consistency over time so that they can make sure that they can collect their money.
2: Yeah, and there's uh, one of those rules is timing, right? So you can oh, miss absolutely. your date, you can realize you're not going to get paid, and it's three days late, and you're out of luck.
0: Absolutely, yeah. So, 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 and I'll just give you an example. for in, in our system, which we've used for years, you know, consists of five simple parts. And number one is to determine whether you're entitled to a mechanic lien, because not all people are entitled to mechanic liens. You have to determine... And make sure that your work is leanable. Uh, right. Number two, you have to uh, you have to uh, get the accurate and relevant information. For example, when was the last day of work? because you're right. you have a certain time limit and the time limits are different from from a contractor and a subcontractor. so you have to make sure you get the relevant information and accurate information. Then you have to fill out the pre-lean notices if it's, if it's applicable, and, and we won't get into that right now, but, but then then you have to prepare the lien statements, and you have to file it in the correct location, and then you have to file your, your lawsuit within a certain time after that. So, so while Oklahoma has a simple system, it does have rules that you need to follow, and you can systemize that and assign a team member to make sure that that system is followed, and by having one team member, you have someone to hold accountable. If it's not done correctly.
1: Yeah, I can see that being an issue. If you're not one, if you don't know whose responsibility it is and it's kind of just a general thing that you do, then someone's going to think, oh, well, they did it. And then the other person's saying, well, they did it. You yep. Know, but that's exactly yeah. right. Well, so, you know, you mentioned something because you said in Oklahoma,
2: and we're all sitting in Oklahoma at this time. Are there mechanic cleans in every state?
0: Yeah, all yeah, 50 states have mechani- uh, mechanical laws. That's great.
2: Okay, but the, and, the exact and, and, procedures might be different, but the fact that you can create a system and track them and not miss dates and put things on calendars uh absolutely. You can
0: do that everywhere. <clears throat> absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So that that's really important. So the normal contractor how many what percentage of contractors do you think are you know, up to date on their mechanical lean systems? If you had to guess.
0: If he didn't guess, oh, gosh, I will. Yeah, yeah. I mean that, that that's, that's that's such a tough question. I know that that any contractor that steps through our door, that's one of the first questions we ask them is do you have a mechanic lean system? And what's and, the answer? Well, and most of them will say yes, but that mechanical <laughs> system may be that they just remember on the on the 80 day to file that <laughs> subcontractor's mechanic lien, uh, and they have to do it by the 90th day, so so a lot of them are not not uh, real um, detailed. So one of the things, and again, it's all about systems. So what we did is right. we created a survey that they can um, take a simple survey. We have it on our website, and I encourage them to go over and just it's free to go over and and and, and take a look at this at this survey and fill it out, and they can see where gaps are in their sur- in, in their mechanical in system. And so whenever we have a client come in and we start talking about mechanic leans and it's a new client, we'll, we'll have them take this survey and, and fill it out. And that helps us identify where the gaps are in their mechanical lean system. And then we can help them fill that gap and create a better safety net. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, okay. So
1: we've talked about contract systems. We talked about systems in general, uh, mechanic lean systems, you mentioned uh, accountants i mean martin you're big on bookkeeping systems and that eric that's something that you help people at least become aware of right
0: well what we try to do is educate them about what systems they need in their in their business we don't help them with any accounting i mean we're not we're sure not sure company. but but, uh, but but for example one yeah. one area that 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 most contractors well any business really needs to focus on also uh, is the hiring and firing, the HR aspect of their business. Because the, the, the team members within a company uh, is what makes that company successful. And you need to make sure you have good um, HR uh, uh, systems in place to make sure that everyone's treated fairly, yeah. that you get good, consistent results, and, uh, and, and, and be the best company that you can be to take care of your employees. That's it. So, so I always recommend that a business. That a you know, to, business- that,
2: to that point, Eric, uh, I believe there's some research out there. Uh, the number one reason people leave an employment and um, a position is unclear expectations. Um, that's why hmm. office politics are so bad because you don't know who you're supposed to align with or you get a boss who's do this and then the next day, why the hell did you do that? And one of the things that systems do is it defines the expectations against which people mm-hmm. are measured and they can go do those things. Mm-hmm. So HR is a, is a huge part of it. The people are so important, but the systems defend the people and enable Absolutely. them to do, to do much better. It's not just all about protecting us as the owners.
0: Well, it's, it's just like I said earlier, a system takes out the personality. right, right. take the personality go. out of the system and you just follow the system and it is what it is. Yeah. And that way everyone's treated the same Fairly consistently over time, you know. And in in another system that I think is, you know, uh, let me back up. I'll give you a, a good example of how, you know, I, I keep beating this drum that you should have a lawyer, insurance agent, banker, and CPA. Uh, I've got a business
2: coach.
0: Well, and a business coach. That that's where you that's start? the Go that, yeah.
2: get a lawyer <laughs> and a CPA <laughs> and a business. Anyway, go, go
0: ahead. We'll, well cut and, that and, a business, and a business coach. And a business coach. Um, you know, for example, I've got several clients who who I work closely with their insurance agents to make sure that they, from a legal standpoint, that they have the correct coverage. I'm not an insurance expert. I've read a lot of insurance policies, but I rely on that, on that insurance professional to work with us to help get the best coverage for my client, to, to fill any gaps in their insurance. And so, so I work closely with the other team members to make sure that this client is protected. And I think that that's the beauty of having the the team mentality is that you all work together for one common good, and that's for your client.
2: Yeah, and everybody can be an expert in their own area. That's exactly right. Uh, You, Since you mentioned uh, insurance, you have in the past, or at least we've talked about um, injury, incidents, things happening. Maybe that's HR, maybe that's insurance, but do you have any processes or systems around that?
0: Well, uh, one thing that, yeah. Absolutely. One thing that we do, we, uh, we teach about early incident management. And all that means is that, that look, I'm not an insurance guy. I'm not, I'm not a workers' comp guy. All I can do is help preserve the information for the insurance. So, for example, if you have a bricklayer who's up on a scaffold and, and the scaffold falls apart and, and, and the bricklayer falls and breaks a leg, how do you document that so that you can, you can create a file to, number one, protect the the employee who's hurt, make sure you protect the property, uh, make sure you document what's happened so you can create a file to give to the insurance company if it comes up. You know, the, the worst thing in the world is, and, and, and that goes for back charges as well. So the worst thing in the world is to get to the end of a job. And someone says, well, what about that damage you caused six months ago? And and they say, well, what are you talking about? And they said, well, we, we have some records here that show that you you caused this damage. And they have no idea what this, what they're talking about. Or if they do, they have no way to protect themselves. And so what we do is create a simple checklist or a form for them to fill out. So if if someone falls off of some scaffolding or, or uh, someone runs into a, a I don't know. Has a has a fender bender in the parking lot? Sure. What they what they do is simply just write down basic information: who, what, when, and where. Who was there? What happened? Um, and and they did. You know, first thing we tell them is make sure everyone's safe, make sure there's no more property damage. Call nine one one. Do whatever needs to be done. But then start documenting everything you can. Then when you get done, simply throw it in a file. And six months later, when they try to back charge you, you can say no. No, wait a minute. Here are the pictures that that we have. Here are the statements that we have, and you can protect yourself. So, again, it's just a basic system that you can put in to protect yourself. I'm saying that that documenting is a huge part
1: of just systems in general, but also with that, I mean, you need to document, um, or else you have no proof, I guess is the point there. Absolutely, absolutely.
2: Well, you usually usually don't even have any recollection.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's right. 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 And you'd be be surprised how many times – a client is contacted by an insurance company a year and a half after an incident. And they didn't even know about it because the people at, at the office were never told that that something happened on a job site. And then all of a sudden a lawyer calls and said, wait a minute, my client was hurt a year and a half ago. and I've got to file a lawsuit now against you and, and you have no idea uh, even what happened. And so you've got to, you, yeah. you've got to step up and, and take care of your business.
1: Well, I think, I think that, um, you know the. Whenever you're, you've talked about this building a team a lot, building systems, and I think that for a lot of contractors, they just you have to come into the realization that you're not going to be the expert at everything. You have to hire and and trust other people, um, and it's going to make you better. And then you've got to basically do the same thing for other people. What you're an expert at, create those systems for yourself to let other people do it. That's the only way that you're going to be what we've been calling the cash flow contractor <laughs> have less stress more time more money um, you know and
0: and Khalil, the, the beauty is that there's never been a time in history where there has been more opportunities for education i mean with yeah. technology you can get online and you can get all kinds of of education you can get people who can help you build systems i know that i've uh, i've talked to martin numerous times and and he has helped a ton of uh, contractors build systems within their company and has helped educate them. And I just think that there's so many opportunities that there's not a reason why not to do it. I mean, there's just no reason not to do it because there's just too many opportunities of people out there to help you create systems and help you grow your business. Right.
1: Well, I'm sure a lot of contractors, and I've even had this thought in the past as a business owner, uh, but they say, you know what? I can't afford an attorney right now. Um, but I'm sure your response to that is you can't afford not to have an attorney right
0: now. Mm-hmm. Um, so well, I, I, what, well, I just, I, I just think about that Fram commercial. You can pay me now or you can pay me it, later. Right, right. It's exactly right. So what, I mean, if I'm a
1: contractor, I'm, I'm a subcontractor and I am pretty small. I'm, I'm not sure that I can afford an attorney. How much should I try to budget for an attorney to get started? Even if it's on
0: the smallest basis to start. Well, I, I you know, to a certain extent, can give that's, me a range. Yeah, I mean, I mean that that's that's a difficult question to answer, but I think it's a great question because I think every time that you go in and visit with a lawyer, you should have a conversation with that lawyer about how much do you charge an hour. Uh, with this fact pattern, what do you anticipate would be a budget for it? Now, yeah. a lawyer a lawyer can't guarantee results, and and oftentimes, unless he's a flat fee attorney, can't guarantee how much time a certain issue can can last or take to get resolved but those are fair questions and, and I think that 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 clients uh, contractors business people owners investors they should be good consumers as well and I think one of the things they, that they should always do is question that lawyer about what your what's your credentials do you have any experience in this area uh, do, you know how many cases have you tried how long have you been practicing? Do you have any bar complaints against you? Um, what do you think the the budget will be on this matter? How much do you charge per hour? These are all very valid questions, and I think that they should be asked on that first initial consultation.
1: You so know, what's that was what's a, a, go ahead, Kyle? What's I mean, if, if we're going to ask those questions, <clears throat> what what should what should you look for in a good construction attorney? What are the you know key things that you're like okay, that's that's good, or no, that's not good? Like I'm assuming if they have no cases. Uh, on that kind of matter that you're looking yeah. into probably not a best hire.
0: Well, you know, you know, and, and like I said before, construction cases come in all sizes and shapes, but I think, I think the key is to find a lawyer who has some experience and has some knowledge about basic construction. Now gotcha. I, I know, I, I know in Oklahoma city and Norman and, and and surrounding areas and Tulsa, we've got a lot of great construction attorneys Uh, who have knowledge about about construction issues. So for example, uh, there's a process called mediation and if we get into a dispute with someone a lot of times in our contracts, we'll say Well, we have to go to mediation before we go to a lawsuit which simply means you go and sit down with a third party. It's not binding and that, that third party facilitator tries to bring the parties together to get a resolution so Kind of uh, like a kindergarten teacher with the two people when they're in the That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah gotcha. that's right. So, so <laughs> whenever, whenever I look for a mediator, I try to find someone who has construction experience, who's tried construction defect cases, who's uh, tried to foreclose a mechanic lien, who's filed mechanic liens. So I, I always try to find someone who has experience in the construction industry. I think that's extremely important because, you, you know, practicing law is just like probably being a doctor you have surgeons and you have internists you have you know all kinds of different doctors that that stay within their lane and they don't get out and and do other things well you have lawyers the same way you have lawyers who who are estate planners you have lawyers who are personal injury lawyers you have uh, uh, you know all kinds of lawyers so so make sure you find a lawyer who has experience in construction or real estate just like you don't want to
1: you know find a a painting contractor and ask them to build you a house.
0: That's exactly um, right. Yeah.
1: You, you want to get with a GC for something like that.
0: Right.
1: Your right. Uh,
2: questionnaire, uh, would that give any indication uh, of questions that they might ask an attorney when they walked in the questionnaire that, or the, the form that you have on your
0: website? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We, in fact, we've set out a bunch of questions that we can, that, that, that a, uh, a client can go in and ask his or her attorney these specific questions. And, 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 you know, if you, if you like the responses and that's a good indication that this may be the right lawyer for you, if you don't get the responses you want, then that's probably a sign that this is not the right one for you.
2: So that's a, that's a really good place to start because that's free right on your site.
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, and I'll just to note, listeners we will put, um, all of the links to everything in the show notes. So you can, you can look for it there if you, if you need to. Um, yeah. And <laughs> we definitely, uh, obviously I think we didn't say this at the beginning and we'll have to, but this is not legal advice, uh, as does disclaimer. So I don't know if you want to add to that, Eric at all.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, this is certainly no, uh, legal advice. We're talking about, 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 uh, basic concepts in general. And, and, and I encourage anybody, uh, who has an issue to, uh, Go talk to a lawyer and, and and don't assume anything that you hear on any broadcast is directed towards your specific issue because every case is, uh, is different and, and that lawyer needs to apply the facts to the case of that particular uh, situation. So anything we're talking about today are, are just in general uh, educational information. Awesome.
1: Well, um, I'm excited for this next uh segment here (laughs) i hope i used the i hope that was the right music there but um yeah we're doing mount rushmore for uh top four of a certain topic and then we're actually doing a little bit different today so we're going to be sharing lawyer jokes (laughs) and um (laughs) i think it's really it this will be funny so
0: so after you give the jokes can i be the judge
1: you are you're the judge you get to choose the george washington the top joke and actually, we're only going to share four. I'm sharing two. Martin sharing two, and um, you get to choose the best one. And I think I think mine are pretty good, but I know Martin's a good <laughs> a good joke teller. So so who's um, going first? Here? Maybe we'll, I'll go first, okay. and we'll do like back and forth. I won't go. Okay, you do one, and I'll do
2: one. Me. Okay.
1: Yeah, I hope I don't butcher this. <laughs> um. All right, Eric. So. Do you know what the difference is between a bad lawyer and a good lawyer? What? A bad lawyer may take several years to wrap up a case. A good lawyer will take even longer. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's
2: insulting. (laughs) Okay. So a guy walks into a law office and asks the attorney, he says, how much to answer three questions? attorney says 500 bucks. He says, that's kinda of high, isn't it? He says, yeah. What's your third question?
1: <laughs> that's good. Oh, okay, you're neck
0: and you're you're neck and neck right now.
1: Okay. Um okay. What uh what never works when it's fixed? What? A jury. <laughs> <laughs>
2: You know, there are a lot, there are a lot of racial <laughs> jokes out there. We're keeping this pretty quick. We so. yeah. are. <laughs> An attorney sitting in the uh, interrogation room down at the police department and the cops are standing there looking at him. He says, I'm not talking without my lawyer present. He said, well, you are a lawyer. He says, exactly. Where's my present? <laughs> <laughs> boom, boom, boom. That's a really- Those are really benign. Now, here's yeah. a hundred dollar bill. Uh, Eric, which one was the best?
0: <laughs> oh gosh, they, they, they were they were all perfect. Um, gosh, that, that's a tough one. Martin, I'm going to have to probably give it to Khalil on the jury one.
2: Oh. <laughs> oh. oh, okay, we got it. I there didn't we go. That one,
0: <laughs> that, you did it. They no, were I, they, I, they were all winners, but that one probably came to the top. There we go. Good stuff.
1: Okay, um, man. I think that might have been the shortest Mount Rushmore segment we've done so far. Um, okay, so I, I think this is the right sound effect here. <laughs> so um, I need to get some new sounds too. So quote of the day, Eric. We're going to give that one to you today. What is our quote for this episode?
0: You know, this is a quote that I've uh, lived by for years, and it's in it's and it's really impacted the direction I've taken my practice, but the quote that I've always relied on is knowledge is power. And I think that the more knowledge that you can get is, is only uh, gonna make your life better. And, and, and it's gonna improve your business, it's gonna improve your personal life, it's gonna improve your relationships. So the more knowledge you can get out there about the world, about your business, about your family, it's going to, it's good. It's just going to improve everything. So to me, knowledge is power.
1: I like that. I think, man, when you start taking the approach of knowledge is power or never stop learning. Um, you know, I, I guess if you're probably listening to this episode that you already have that mentality cause you're seeking this stuff out, but man, it, it really does change things. It changes your perspective on the world, gives you more humility cause you realize how little, you know, and, I mean, it just changes how your perspective on the world and, um, you just have to keep on learning. And then I think with that, understand that you're not going to be the expert in everything, um, and take on the approach of asking questions to other people that are experts and trying to learn from them. Um, so I, I agree it's power and it's, um, it's the best way to live. I agree. Yeah. First level Uh, of knowledge
2: is to know that you don't know. I moon! Mean, mm-hmm. I mean, it is, yeah.
0: That's exactly yeah. right.
1: And admitting that you don't know, right? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. I mean, a lot of the, I mean, it's, we just talked about the systems and and having those trusted advisors. I mean, that's really where it starts. Otherwise, you're just thinking that you're the you're the <laughs> expert in everything, and you're just going to
0: keep going, and nothing bad's going to happen, and you're doing it the best way possible. Mm-hmm. It's just not true. Well, and, and, and you really have two choices in life. You have the choice of doing nothing, or you have the choice of doing something. And and I think that the choice of doing nothing is a risky way to live. You you should always move forward, and just like I think Martin just said, you should always question, ask questions, seek answers, and I think that, uh, that that's the path I choose.
2: Yeah. yeah. And the, the, well, really the neat thing about Eric and what happened today was what, I, what I'm really hearing, was, and Ethan, I'm not taking away from you. We're going to see what you heard. But to get a checklist on mechanic cleans, to get a checklist to just look at and get a first read on contracts, to get a checklist for incidents, that's some, and to download your form so that you can get an idea of where you are, you don't have to be a lawyer to do all those things. That is knowledge that that points you in the right direction. Uh, that can, I mean, here's a piece of knowledge. Oops, it's 91 days since I quit working on that, job, <laughs> I am no longer eligible to file a lien. Oops. Yep. There's, there's
1: where power and knowledge meet. <laughs> yep. Well, I, and I think that's a great point. And you kind of listed it out there some things that we can do, but like, you know, contractor Eric, who has none of this stuff in place, what's something they should go do right now? Like really clear steps, one, two, three, whatever, what do they need to do?
0: Well, I, I think the first thing is is to, is to acknowledge the fact that, that you may have some weaknesses in your business. Because I, I think the first thing is just to, is just to acknowledge that. And, and it gets back to this knowledge is power. You can do no, something or do nothing. If you continue to do nothing, then it, it, nothing's going to change. But if you, if you make that decision that you're going to start seeking answers, that's the first step. And then once you make that decision to seek answers, then reach out and start talking to some trusted advisors. Uh, I, I called Martin yesterday uh, for some advice. I mean, you, you, you reach out to people who who have some knowledge about something. And, and believe me, there's a lot of good people out there that want to help you succeed. And so, so the first step is to acknowledge that you don't know everything and that you may have some areas that you could improve. Number two... Start reaching out to people, and, and whether they're trusted advisors, uh, you're, I'm sure you already have an insurance agent, go, go sit down and have lunch with that insurance agent and say, what do I not know? Uh, uh, what gaps are in my insurance policy that I may not know about? Go talk to your banker and say, do I have my financing in place the best way that I could have it? What could I do different to improve? And where can I, and where can I find out more about what I'm doing? Uh, call your lawyer and say, you know, here here's some risks that I think that I have in my in my company. Um, what can you do to help me evaluate and come up with a plan to fix that? So so, uh, reaching out to trusted advisors, I think is is the next step. And then yeah. the third and then the third step is to when they give you that advice, follow through with it. I mean, they want you to succeed, and and there's so many resources out there that they can point you to. Most of them are free. I mean, yeah. you know, and there's so many opportunities out there to, to get educated about, about anything. Um, it's to the point now that that I'll give you an example. Whenever I, I can't do something, I had to repair my lawnmower the other day. And my 26-year-old son said, Dad, just look it up on YouTube. And sure enough, I got on <laughs> YouTube, typed it in, and it showed me how to do it. And I was able to fix my lawnmower. So so there's there's information out there. On everything you want to learn, so that, that yeah. those are probably the three things that I would recommend.
2: Well, I know well, where I, a free I, one is too, right? I have <laughs> your form on your on your,
1: yeah, on I your think website. that mechanically surveys probably. I mean, I've seen it. It's great. It's really comprehensive and really easy. You just answer yes or no, yes or no, and then and not sure I guess is another option. Yeah. But whatever you said no or not sure to you work on those things and That's you take right. it to a lawyer that you work on. Uh, yeah, and it's and, not, and, it's not and, rocket science.
0: And at our website we have uh, have uh, uh, some little boxes you can fill in and we'll send you a newsletter and we'll we'll send you all the information that we have and 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 it's an ongoing thing uh, uh, that we send out. And I think it's a it's a great opportunity for for some some great knowledge that you can get for free. So I encourage everyone to go over and take a look at it. That's great. So, Martin, you had a question
1: that almost ruined this entire episode. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. But you were curious how it how, out did that, that contract. how did that story work out? Yeah. Where I, you, uh, uh COVID you Well, And the pandemic hit. And so, so Eric, what was uh, Maybe give a refresher because it's been, a, what, an hour almost yeah. since uh, you told that story. To <clears dad. throat>
0: well, the main thing I want you to remember about that story is this was the perfect job. Everything went right. You know, it, it's easy to to make judgments about things when they go wrong and say, well, am I protected? Did I do everything right? It's more difficult when you have a perfect job and everything goes perfect, nothing goes wrong, you don't anticipate anything to go wrong. And in this case, we got down after this perfect job and, and my client was ready to get paid and they didn't get paid. Luckily, um, we had been working with this client and we were able to set up a system a mechanical system and he was able to determine that his work was leanable he was able to determine that uh, uh the correct information when the last day of work was uh, uh, the legal description the property owner's name and that he was able to to uh, prepare the correct forms and we were able to follow the um, unfortunately I had we had to follow mechanically and um and my guess is that the that the owner realized that, that we were going to get paid, and, and so they went ahead and wrote a check. And so we had a good result. Uh, uh, the client was still happy. They had a great, beautiful job done, and and my client was paid. And I think it was all primarily because he had a system in place where he could enforce his rights, which are these are rights given by the state of Oklahoma, to my client. So so that was a good result in this situation, simply because of, of a lien that he had been working on for, for some quite... Uh, for a for a bit of time now.
1: I think, uh, I think something that you left out there um, it's, I mean, you guys had everything in place so quickly and were able to get it filed so fast. You got to the front of the line, right?
0: Well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, in, in, because explain
1: how that works. Like, you know, cause they can have multiple people file liens against it. Right.
0: Well, whenever, yeah, I mean, it, Most of the time, and when it comes to liens, mortgages, and that sort of thing, it's a race to the courthouse, and the first one that gets there and files it has priority over everyone else. It's a little bit different when you have subcontractors. They all share pro rata uh, based on the work. But if you have a mortgage in front of you, it's important to get that lien on file quickly. Uh, The good news is that liens relate back to the first day of work, so you don't have to worry about that. It's just the key is to make sure you get it filed timely within the the time limits that uh, the statutes require. So the good news is that that we were uh, able to to pull out the system and and work it, and and luckily my client was paid. And and like I said, th- it was a substantial amount. And had my client not been paid that amount, it would have really impacted his business. And like I said, ninety nine percent of the time, everything's going to go right in in business. It's just that one time that you have to be prepared for. Wiped out. Yeah.
1: Yeah great well um it's that time i think i've got some new music today we'll see how this sounds but uh it's intern insights with ethan you ready ethan yes sir okay we're gonna put one minute on we got some music to give you some little anticipation now so we'll see how this goes um
3: okay can you hear it (laughs) i can't hear that
1: okay well um Yeah, let's go for it. Timers on the clock. Give us
3: a recap of everything that's happened. I'm going with the music. Okay. Well, you're going with the music. Eric helps people avoid getting sued and not getting paid before it happens. Uh, He does this by teaching them systems. Uh, One of the biggest problems he sees is people don't have systems in place uh, because they don't think anything is going to go wrong. But right when something, right when they don't think something go wrong, it goes wrong. Uh, You can't just focus on your craft. You have to have systems in place that will protect you, and you have to have teams too, like accountants and lawyers and uh, business coaches. Uh, Document your systems uh, and take the interpretation and personality out of your system. Um, Never redline a contract. Use an addendum to negotiate a more fair contract or a win-win. A mechanic lien is a superpower uh, for contractors, subcontractors, and suppliers. And I think the biggest thing was just document everything, uh, write everything down, video everything, and your systems and everything. And, yeah. Okay. You know, the intern said right about- in
2: 45 seconds, What it took us 40 uh, an hour to say. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was good. You took the only good thing I'm upset even- about. We we finally got business coach in there. We didn't get marketer in there. We didn't get uh, anybody to help with that. <laughs> Ethan could have added that, that to the recap. Up, Eric to could you. have added it earlier in the episode. No shout out to me. No, I'm Smart, just
0: marketing is an important part of it. Believe yep. yeah.
1: You got to have customers. You're going to go out of business. That's right. <laughs> hey, we just rely okay. on
2: word of mouth. In other words, everything yeah. that happens to us is an accident.
1: <laughs> That's a good point. Well great first interview i think that's a great way to kick off our interviews for the cash flow contractor definitely helpful for contractors i think this can bring a lot of clarity get stress off of their mind um but like you said help them have more money um and less risk and um yeah more more time if they can get those systems in place as well you know i'm uh, eric, how can, oh good martin well i'm
2: speaking for eric but i know eric well enough that if listeners want to shoot us some questions, we'd maybe like to have you on again um, without yeah, diving absolutely. so far as to practicing law on a podcast. But more refined questions.
0: Um, because. Yeah, yeah, any, yeah, anytime people have any questions, I'd love to come back and talk about them. And, and uh, uh, that's always a good time. Yeah. yeah where, where can people
1: uh, contact you?
0: Uh, the, our website is www.daffernlawfirm.com.
1: How do you spell that? Okay. Right?
0: It's D-A-F-F-E-R-N, lawfirm.com. Okay. okay.
1: And that's where we'll put a link to that in the show notes. We'll have the mm-hmm. um, mechanical and survey in there as well. And uh, yeah, we'd love to have you back and really appreciate your time, Eric.
0: Mm-hmm. Great. Well, I appreciate y'all having me on. Okay. Talk to you
1: soon. Thanks.
2: Thanks for listening to The Cash Flow Contractor.
1: Check
0: out our website in the show notes or visit thecashflowcontractor.com.
1: What's up, Cashflow Contractors? Khalil here. Thank you so much for getting to the end of this episode. It means the world to us that you're listening. Uh, I've got a favor to ask. So we are looking for contractors who would like to have a consult, a free consult with myself and with Martin. Um, for about 30 minutes to an hour. Uh, we'll basically just ask you questions about your business, about what it's like for you to work as a contractor, and then we will answer any of your questions specific to your business. Then we'll make that a live episode for other contractors to learn from, to engage with, uh, and we think it's a great way for people to really see Clear, uh, specific answers to problems that contractors have so if that interests you at all we're not going to share any of your information um we you don't even need to say your name on the episode but i think we want to get some more of these episodes out there and if you're willing to do that we've got a link in the show notes that allows you to just submit a form for a consult then we'll schedule it with you and record it And we'll put you live on on, uh, the podcast. So if that interests you, please check it out in the show notes. If not, no worries. Or if you know someone else that you think would be interested in it, send it to them. That'd be great. But appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us. And yeah, we hope that you're finding less stress, more time, and more money. Thanks.